traders how we doing how we doing hey looking good today we got a great interview like always and and if you like specs hit the like button let me know that you enjoy us being here every single day with you i got my man the brains you guys already know chris catchy what's going on mitch how we doing today hey another day man another day out there um enjoying the day um so gonna be gonna be starting to dip my toes you know i i've heard maybe this is the bottom mentioned by you know uh, our friend julian kamachka the king the king so who knows maybe we found the bottom maybe we haven't who knows but i'll tell you one thing I, i'm starting to get interested looking at some and and, and got my eye on some so uh, how's everybody doing out there if you like the specs hit me up suiting up i was Looking gonna say good. not not only does the chat like specs but i think they uh they like that suit today mitch so yeah you know if if julian klamachko says it's the bottom i you know i i gotta think he he's more of an expert in specs than i am uh you know so i'm loving hearing that i think we are seeing some bottoming action and as we've said, you know, we're, we're getting less new SPAC IPOs hitting the market. So maybe that oversupply may start, you know, to change going forward. Hey, like, like always, guys, you know, we're not everyday kind of suits kind of guys. But one thing we definitely like to do is look good when we can. So let's go ahead and let's get into our headlines today. What's going on out there, guys? Smash that like button. I already see some people hitting it. So let's continue on and let's get into our, if, if I could find it here. Boom! All right, guys. Yeah, I don't have a ton of headlines to get into today. We did have some earnings yesterday to talk about, and then we did have one new deal announced this morning. Want to get into that, and then we'll go ahead and take a look at that watch list, see how some of these SPACs are moving before our interview today. So up first, we have CHPT. This is ChargePoint. So ChargePoint, formerly SBE, um, this is a SPAC I own. So they were out yesterday highlighting the progress in the first year of the National Highway Charging Collaborative. Uh, so they helped fund 150 DC fast charging spots, um, and they're working on adding thousands more. Um, we're going to get news out today from Joe Biden on that infrastructure play. Um, you know, charging stations, I think, are going to be a key uh, growth market moving forward as we shift to electric vehicles. So, you know, CHPT, definitely one of the largest players out there with ChargePoint. And, you know, looking forward to seeing how they progress. I did see shares up this morning, um, you know, on that news. So we'll keep an eye out on that one. And then we have FTAC. So FTAC merging with Payoneer. So Payoneer reported fourth quarter sales, $94.7 million, up from $85 million in the prior year. Again, that merger has not gone through yet, but getting an updated look here from Payoneer into that merger. And then another one, um, we have FGNA, so FG New America, merging with OpFi, another fintech play. They announced an agreement with Brightside to leverage payroll deduction for non-prime borrowers. So again, OpFi seeing some expansion opportunities, um, you know, as we get into 
um, you know, this this merger to go through. And then we have GIK, so Gig Capital 2. Um, we, of course, had them on the show. So UpHealth reported that their uh, full fiscal 2020 pro forma combined revenue was $117 million. Um, you know, GIK, another name out there to keep on watch. Uh, in that telehealth and, you know, uh, emerging medical technology play. Um, so keep an eye out on that one going forward. And then let's get to earnings. So we had at least three former SPACs report earnings last night. There's three that I want to highlight. So up first, we have RMO. This is Romeo Power. And guys, you know, uh, full disclosure, I do own shares of Romeo. Um, I think you guys know that if you've watched for a while. So, you know, let's face it, there wasn't a lot of positive from this earnings report, right? So um, they announced uh, sales of $4.6 million versus $3.1 million in the prior fourth quarter. That was the positive. The, the negative, though, was that their full fiscal year 2020 revenue was $9 million. In that investor presentation, their estimate was $11 million. And then the big reason for today's fall in the share price was their guidance going forward. So they originally projected fiscal 2021 revenue of $140 million. Their updated revenue projection for fiscal 2021 is now 18 to $40 million. Um, big change there, obviously, in the guidance. Um, shares were down over 20% last I saw today. Um, you know, this is a big miss. And let's face it, one of the, the positives about SPACs is they can do that forward-looking guidance compared to a traditional IPO. Um, this one is similar to, you know, a, a Clover Health, where when they issue that guidance, it's coming, you know, shy of original projections, which is not what we want to see out there from these SPACs. They, they did blame a couple things, um, the supply chain, uh, infrastructure um, for their batteries, and then also several people noting, uh, again, Romeo Power um, is a partner with Nikola and also a partner with Workhorse. So it could be that in their projections, they had banked in a little bit too much into that Nikola deal, which obviously we know what's going on with Nikola. And then also possibly with Workhorse getting the USPS deal, which as of now, they do not have um, so I think, you know, Romeo just, you know, missing on some deals for 2021. Um, I want to see what, what's going to happen in 2022 and going forward. And, and also maybe how other battery companies are doing. Romeo is a partner with Lion Electric that has been hitting on all cylinders lately. So uh, I'm going to keep an eye out. Again, I do still own shares of RMO. Um, but, you know, again, not a very positive report out there. And then we have CLVR, that's Clever Leaves. So they announced uh, fourth quarter sales of $3.3 million. That's up from $2.6 million in the prior year. And then, uh, so that's up 27%. And they see full fiscal 2021 sales in the range of $17 to $20 million. Um, again, this is a cannabis play, more international and domestic, but keep an eye out on this one as they will expand here with federal legalization. And then we also have uh, Metro Mile. So that's ticker M-I-L-E. This is a pay-per-mile company um, backed by, you know, Mark Cuban, Chamath. So 
Sales were $10.7 million in the quarter. I don't have a lot of color to add beyond that, but you know, this is one worth watching. M-I-L-E trading around the $11 mark. Um, again, paper mile insurance, really trying to disrupt that industry. And with some strong names, you know, backing it with Chamath and Mark Cuban. So, you know, keep an eye out on this one as well. And then our deal or some rumors first. So we have uh, battery maker Prologium weighing a SPAC deal that's per Bloomberg. Um, you know, I'm not familiar with this name. Going to do some more digging. And then we have Polestar, which is a Swedish electric vehicle company owned by Volvo. Uh, also exploring a possible SPAC merger. If we have time later today, want to get into that one a little bit, as there are a couple SPACs out there that have a connection and could end up being rumors for this target. And then we turn to our deal. This one was rumored, um, I think, two weeks ago now. This is ticker uh, LATN. So LATN announcing a merger with ProCaps Group. So ProCaps is a leading global pharmaceutical technology and healthcare company. Merger being done at a $1.1 billion valuation. Fiscal 2021 revenue, $307 million estimate. And fiscal 2022, $445 million estimate. Um, so company has been around for over 40 years. Uh, presence in 13 countries, hitting 50 different markets. Very big in Latin America. Um, revenue in 2020 was 388 million. So again, an established company, you know, with with decent revenue and being done at a 1.1 billion dollar valuation. Um, you know, so they work on you know branded pharmaceutical products and also over the counter products. Um, you know, partnering with those large pharmaceutical companies. Um, and then going forward, they have over 600 new product launches estimated in the next three years. They have over 30 patents and 50 pending, um, and then six state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities in Latin America, including the first FDA-approved pharmaceutical plant in South America for selling uh, pharmaceutical products into the U.S. So again, large player, $400 million estimate in revenue and being done at a $1.1 billion valuation. I, I like the deal size here. Um, but again, uh, you know, investors not impressed, still trading around that $10 mark, um, just not as sexy of a name as these electric vehicle and some of the other spaces. But this is one where I think, you know, you're going to see it being a long term winner um, with that existing revenue. And, and then, as I said, you know, those huge manufacturing facilities and the growth with new products going forward. That's what I've got for that. And then we have uh, NPA voting on that merger tomorrow. And, and then a reminder, the market is closed Friday this week for Good Friday. So um, tomorrow, the last trading day of the week. So we definitely could see, um, you know, lots of changes uh, in the market. So back to you, Mitch. Um, I know, you know, we want to get to that watch list and maybe dive into your thoughts on, you know, some of those earnings reports, uh, RMO, CLVR. Um, you know, maybe the battery space and the cannabis space. What do you think? Yeah, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. You know, I, I've been keeping my eye on these battery plays. I'm really just paying attention to the infrastructure deal today. Um, the specifics, 
how that's going to affect the kind of push to go carbon neutral, because that's really the move. I mean, we need companies having these orders, these new fleet orders. That's what I want to kind of see. And I think they need some support, you know, by the government here to actually kind of start really putting in those orders. So let's pay attention and we'll, we'll see later today. I mean, the, the speech is at 420, guys, if you guys don't know. So um, I'll be definitely paying attention towards that. That's 420 Eastern time, and and, and we'll see what happens there. But um, let's go ahead and let's get into our favorite time, guys, when we start unlocking SPACs. So if you guys like to unlock SPACs, definitely hit that like button. All right, Chris, let's go ahead and let's bring on our interview today. I'm excited to go ahead and get towards it. Let's go ahead. All right, guys. Yeah, so another exclusive interview here with Benzinga on SPACs Attack. Joining us on the show today, we have Luke Schoenfelder. He is the CEO of Latch. The company is merging via a SPAC deal. Ticker is TSIA. So, Luke, thank you for joining us on the show today. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Welcome on the show. I'm going to go ahead and get on out, let you guys do some questions, and then I'll be back with some of my own. Awesome. So, Luke, let's dive in here. So, um, you know, before we dive into Latch and, you know, the SPAC deal, wondering if you can give all our viewers out there just a little bit of background about yourself, um, you know, prior to and the, the start of Latch here. Absolutely. Uh, so I grew up on a farm in Pennsylvania, which naturally set me up to run a technology company in New York City. It's just a <laughs> straight path. Uh, but uh, I spent uh, a lot of time sort of looking at uh, emerging market technology uh, after college. Um, I also worked at Apple earlier in my career and you know, was really focused on how we could build something at Latch that would touch a lot of different people, a lot of different stakeholders and enable a new type of, uh, of environment. And that was what was most exciting to me about this space and this opportunity. And uh, for the last seven years, we've, we've, uh, we've been dedicated to it. Awesome. So, you know, we've interviewed lots of CEOs of, um, you know, companies going public via SPAC. We've talked about, you know, SPACs versus traditional IPOs. So one of the questions we always like to ask is, you know, why the decision to use a SPAC merger um, over a traditional IPO to bring a company like Latch to the public markets? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. And it was something we thought about a lot. Um, for us, it was about a one plus one equals three. And what was interesting was we felt like there was going to be a real excitement in the public markets around our story. And if you look at our pipe participants, you know, Fidelity, BlackRock, Wellington, um, Chamath, Durable, etc., um, there is like a traditional uh, tech investor public market interest in what we're doing. But what we also um, realized was that if we could pull on another strategic partner uh, that would help us accelerate our growth into new verticals, help us accelerate our, our learnings to develop new products, that was also going to be something that was unique to partnering with a SPAC and doubly unique in partnering with this particular one, which uh, was led by Rob Spire and the Tishman Spire team, who's a longtime uh, Latch customer and an early investor as well. Awesome. So, you know, you hinted at it, you mentioned that that pipe deal. So I have to ask, you know, again, Fidelity, BlackRock, Chamath, Polyhoptia, so, some large, well-known names. So 
walk us through what kind of validation um, could that give investors in a company like Latch to see those big names attached to this, this deal going forward? Yeah, I think I think one of the things that's different maybe about uh, our deal than some others is that we're already quite a large company. I mean, one out of 10 apartments built in the United States last year were built with our products. Um, so we have a very established track record of delivering amazing products and experiences for this industry. And I think what you saw was a thematic bet from public market investors saying, I believe that there should be the first product company really in this space. I believe that this is a growing space and I believe that that company is Latch. Um, and I think that's really what kind of underpins the thesis, excitement around the market, excitement about our approach to it. And, and really the fact that we're a one of one product company attacking this market in a way that, that nobody else is. Awesome. So, you know, I've got some specific questions about Latch and kind of the business, but but taking yeah. a step a step back um, for our viewers out there who have never heard of Latch, what's kind of just the, what do we the do? broad, yeah. the, the broad <laughs> way you would describe Latch to people that aren't familiar with the company? Yeah, we build devices, software and services that make apartment buildings better places to live, work and visit. So the way the business model works is we work with real estate owners and operators during either the construction process or when they're renovating a building or just trying to figure out how to better operate their buildings. They purchase LatchOS, which is our subscription software platform, and they pick various capabilities that they want at their, their building from keyless entry, which was one of our first products, to package management to um, you know, delivery enablement or smart home. We have an amazing partnership with Google Nest. And all of those capabilities are selected by the, uh, the real estate operator. Then once the real estate operator pays latch, um, you, the resident, moves in and has this awesome experience. And the average latch app user opens our app 4.6 times per day. Um, which is pretty incredible. And it's because we've become this really critical piece of folks' uh, day um, from unlocking your door to sharing access with friends and family to getting notifications about packages. Um, we've become this, this really foundational technology layer at the building that hasn't really existed before. And, and we're, we're really excited about that. Awesome. You know, and, and we've got some slides going there too with some of these amazing numbers that you already have and that growth ahead. You, you mentioned Google Nest. Um, you know, so I saw Google Nest and then also Honeywell. How how does a company like Latch work with some of these existing smart home products and you know integrate them and and help uh, you know not only corporations but you know customers and residential um, you know people going forward? Yeah, so it's it's all about serving the needs of each stakeholder. So what a building owner needs is they want one place where they can set up and manage all of their devices. And so for us. Our LatchOS enterprise device management capabilities manage the entire fleet of devices, both Latch devices and partner devices for the property owner. So they have one single source of truth where they can set everything up and manage everything. So that is unique. Um, you know, you can't get that. Google, you know, works with LatchOS so that all of their devices can be managed by our software for the building owner. So that's the building owner side. Then on the resident side, when the resident moves in, um, they just get the seamless experience where their Google Nest controls just show up in their app, in the Latch app, and they're able to control their thermostat directly from the Latch app without having to do any setup. And why that's important is that, you know, one of the things that's the biggest hassle about smart home is setting it up. And so if you can move in to an environment where it's already pre-configured, we think we're going to see, uh, you know, a real excitement around having 
that hassle removed. Um, the other thing, the last thing I'll say about this that's pretty unique is that we view a latch user as a user. So whether you're, um, you know, independently of the building. So if you, you can be a latch user across multiple properties, across multiple spaces that are owned by different folks, controlled by different folks, you could own a condo in one building, rent an apartment somewhere else, or be on a vacation rental and only have access for 24 hours. And you're going to get that same latch experience, the same controls for a space, even if you're only there for 24 hours, um, which is which is really unique. And it's about creating that fluidity of experience across all the spaces where you spend your time. Awesome. So, you know, one of the things with uh, having uh, Chamath attached to the pipe is we also got a one pager from him. Uh, you know, when he attaches himself to deals, he likes to do the the one page to give the kind of thesis. And the the thing that stood out for me in his one pager was, you know, talking about the apartments. So he said, apartments that use latch can increase revenue per apartment at a rate of between 200 to $500 annually. And using latch reduces expenses by 100 to 200 per apartment per year. Can you walk us through a little bit the financial side of things, um, you know, that he kind of laid out there? Yeah, absolutely. And, and these are all in our in our pipe materials. So you can view those uh, at our investor site. Um, but if you if you want to go deeper, but at a high level, um, buildings uh, look at net operating income as their main driver because they get their property gets valued on net operating income. So our goal is to always help property owners increase net operating income while also creating a better experience for residents. And so when you're trying to increase your net operating income, there's two buckets. One is save money. So this is about driving new efficiencies and, you know, give a couple examples that are kind of obvious. Um, every time somebody moves out, they have to go and rekey the apartment, which costs time, money, 30 minutes to an hour. Every time somebody moves out, which is, you know, every 12 to 24 months, which is significant and it's a huge lift. And so to do all of that with software is really amazing. The other thing that we found in our extensive user research is for some reason, uh, it turns out that a lot of people get locked out on Friday and Saturday nights between midnight and 4 a.m. And so property managers are always having to go out to properties to let people in, which is this sort of hidden tax on the maintenance teams. And so those are two access related uh, you know, problems that we address. Another one is just packages. Having to have somebody there at all times to receive packages and deal with packages is another huge expense. And Latch automates uh, building entry. Uh, with partners like UPS and then Latch Delivery Assistant can make sure every delivery can get into the building without everyone having to be there. So that's kind of the efficiency side. And then if you think about, and there's, there's more, but those are some highlights. Uh, and then if you think about the, uh, the revenue side, um, buildings that have Latch products installed have a real advantage. If you go and you are sitting at two buildings that are identical in every way, and one building, they hand you a metal key, and one building, they say, here's this entire digital ecosystem where you can never have to touch keys again, share access with anybody, open every door with your Apple Watch, and share access with friends, family, and guests at any time, uh, super conveniently. That's a very significant selling point for folks. And so they're able to charge additional, uh, get additional rent premiums. In some cases, properties are also uh, creating technology amenity fees where folks are, are actually um, getting a separate line item for things like Latch um, because it's, it's, a, it's building infrastructure um, that that's, makes the building better. And, and those are the reasons why you see both efficiencies and also revenue generation uh, all combining to higher net operating income, which is, which is why real estate is so excited about us. Awesome. So, you know, 
in that deck, it talked about 47 million rental homes in the U.S., an addressable yeah. market size of $54 billion. So Latch OS has a market share of less than 1% for multifamily. You know, obviously lots of room to expand, but walk us through what are some of the expectations for, you know, market share going forward over the next couple of years and how high can Latch reach in terms of market share? Yeah, what we've tried to do is um, is just be conservative uh, in our approach. What what we're uh, you know generally competing with is the status quo. So it's not that uh, you know Latch has one percent and somebody else you know it's it, the ninety nine percent is generally folks that just are not using technology at their properties. And so looking at that and saying how much can Latch participate in the market versus make the market is going to be you know it, it's hard to estimate that, which is why we've built in a lot of conservatism to our model. But what I've, you know, the thing that I always say is, um, is, or an analogy that I use is, Chris, when did you get your first smartphone? Do you remember what year it was? My first smartphone was probably, oh, I don't even know, 20, I don't know, let's say 2011, 2012. Sweet. Cool. 2011, 2012. What was the first family gathering where your, you know, your parents or your grandparents had a smartphone? Uh, you know, several years after that, for sure, right. definitely. And so, and so the, but but they have it, right? And they and do now. They it. all have them now. Yep. Can't and live so without the, it now. You can't live without it. And so I would say that we're in that you know young professional has a smartphone sort of moment in it in the sort of industry adoption life cycle. And there will be a moment where everybody's grandparents has them as well. But it's hard to predict which holiday that's going to be, right? Is that going to be uh, Thanksgiving uh, 2014 or is it Thanksgiving 2016? That, that's what I think we don't know, but we're very, very comfortable that if we're just as a market participant and the market exists today, we have you know the room to hit all of the things that we need to hit and more. Um, but I think the, the exciting thing is that there's also this baked in market shift um, that will happen uh, and latches by far the best capitalized company in the space to build the products that people need here. All right, I'm going to jump in here. I want to focus on a little bit of uh, what I really interested me because uh, during the pandemic, I'm sure that a lot of people went through this where you no longer, I mean, I lived in a, in a, in a development where, you know, packages go to one place yep. and, and, and then through the pandemic at first, they just, they just put this big old room where it was like no security whatsoever. Crazy. They just stacked up the packages. It was like a, more than a hundred packages in this one room with, easy access and, and so i'm gonna go ahead and, and i'm showing the, the website here but oh yeah this is this is kind of like what i'm talking about guys and, and it's gonna be really interesting i think this is a great great aspect i mean i see it all the time i used to see the ups guy come up with his truck and then he couldn't get into the building you see him scratching his head outside he doesn't know what he's gonna do so explain us a little bit how latch helps solve this problem yeah. So, you know, I, my, my sort of focus is, is really in product development and product design. And so when we realized we needed to solve this problem, um, we were working with UPS confidentially at the time. And I asked, can I uh, uniform up and actually go deliver packages? Uh, and so to actually get inside and how, understand how this process works. So they were kind enough to get me a UPS uniform and go uh, get to shadow deliveries. And what I found was that that problem that you're describing exists at almost every building, but more importantly, the buildings um, just don't have the technology to easily let people in. And you've seen, there's been a, a few companies that have 
but on the front of the building. But the problem is that every UPS driver or almost all of them, they wear gloves because the packages, uh, you know, will, will scratch their hands or whatever. You can't use a touchscreen with gloves on. And so for us, it was looking at how can we build a product that accommodates the drivers? Because if the drivers are excited about walking up to a latch building and delivering packages, that means the packages are going to get in. That means the residents are going to have a better experience. And it means the building managers are going to have a better experience because the residents are happy. And so the way that it, it works is if they've been given access in advance, so let's use UPS as a, as a public example. Um, so if it's a UPS latch integrated building, they have their package, it's going up to the building, they're going up to deliver it. When they scan on their proprietary device, um, it actually on their screen pops up with a time limited code that they've got from the latch backend, which allows them to enter the code on our touchscreen and get into the building without having to talk to anyone, without having to do anything. It's super fast. If it's not a carrier that we work with, so let's say that's a flower delivery, you know, urban stems or something like that, the, the delivery person can go up to one of the buildings that has the latch intercom and delivery assistant and actually speak to a live person, a latch delivery assistant, that'll validate that they're there to make a delivery to a resident that they know, that they're from the company they say they are, and then will allow them to get into the building and then get into a secure package area to drop off that package. And so we're a big advocate of secure package rooms. So it sounds like at your building, maybe it was insecure, it wasn't well managed. For us, it's about making that space super well managed, super efficient and super secure for, for all the stakeholders. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I saw them make a change, at least in security. And then eventually you had to go to the office, but then it made it just a hassle. It's a hassle. Because, yeah, yeah you got to call ahead to let them know I'm going to get my package and, and they got to come out and give it to you and all this. You know, we just want to make yeah. things simple. And, and that's it. Technology we take that here. friction out of the take that friction out of your day. And that's why our software you know, provides that frictionless experience for, for every stakeholder. Well, uh, let, let's just say I might have to call my uh, apartment complex. <laughs> do it, manager. do it. So <laughs> I, I'm Luke at latch.com. Introduce me to them. I'm happy to, happy to help. And if yeah. anybody's got other package problems or other issues, um, my, my email is always open. Uh, find me on LinkedIn. Uh, happy to, happy to answer any questions. You know, Mitch, that that was a great question, great firsthand experience there. And then, Luke, I'm I'm loving the almost undercover boss style of work here, putting <laughs> yourself with that UPS uniform to really see firsthand the product. You know, it's how you I, learn. Yeah, big shout out though. I I think you know if you're a CEO out there listening, I I you know I love that story there, and I think it could really help you know with growth going forward. Um, turning to a different area here, you know. Uh, another thing we always have to ask CEOs is, you know, about competition. So, you know, does Latch have, you know, direct competitors? Does it have, you know, indirect competitors? You don't have to name them, of course, but is there competition and how does Latch differentiate itself going forward? Yeah, so we're in a unique position where we don't have any direct competitors, but what we do have is indirect competitors. So there's the legacy lock companies um, that don't really make software, but they've made locks for some cases, hundreds of years, which is the locks are really hard to make. So like we have respect for those companies. There's the big tech companies, Google, Apple, Amazon, that are very interested in smart home, but have never served enterprise customers. And we're excited to partner with them as part of CHIP, which is the connected home over IP initiative where we're a member trying to come up with the, the right standards for making these devices work in these environments. And then you have these software integrators that we kind of call middleware providers in the industry that are basically saying, we're gonna to try to just use APIs and integrations to put all this stuff together. But the reality is that you, for this type of critical infrastructure, 
you need to control the hardware, the firmware, and the software because otherwise you can't have the experience that you need. And for instance, uh, if you're taking a middleware approach, if your phone dies, you can't get back into your apartment. If the internet goes out at the building, you can't get back into your apartment. If the power goes out at the building, you can't get back into your apartment at the building. All of those things, you can have all three of those things happen simultaneously and still get back into a latch building and in many cases still control devices. And so that sort of uh, flexibility and resiliency is highly critical. And it's why we don't have any direct competitors because it's really, really hard to build these systems and it takes a long time. Awesome. You know, I, I, I'm seeing a lot of great questions here in our chat. That's one of the things we love about doing these live interviews and in our, you know, our chat that's with us every day. So before we get to some chat questions, I, I want to just turn to financials a bit. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm seeing $167 million in booked revenue for fiscal 2020. That was a year over year increase of 49%. Um, you know, do we have updated figures from there and what's the financial outlook for, for Latch going forward? Yeah, we're, we're super excited uh, to continue to push forward with, you know, double digit year over year growth. Um, and, you know, all of our up-to-date materials are, are, are available uh, on our investor website and we'll be very excited to, you know, report uh, updates quarterly on, uh, on our performance. But, you know, we, uh, we're very excited about the growth that we're seeing and, and expect to continue to, to grow at the pace that we are for a long time. Awesome. Another thing I saw, you know, along with the financials was uh, customer churn of 0%. Can you just talk yeah. a little bit about, you know, obviously, why is that so important? Yeah. And, you know, how will Latch maintain that that high level of, you know, customer churn going forward? Yeah, low level of customer churn. Uh, but yeah, no, the, the, the we've never turned to customer. So basically, what that means is that somebody who signed up for Latch, uh, they have never left. And the reason for that is, is, is uh, multifaceted. But first and foremost, we provide a great experience. And second of all, we provide critical infrastructure to operate your buildings. And so those two things combined, we make people really happy. We make people uh, run their buildings more efficiently and more effectively. Um, and then we also have this critical infrastructure. We've never lost a customer. Furthermore, and I think where you get to, um, you know, why I'm so confident that people are excited about what we're doing is that 154% um, net dollar booked revenue expansion, that represents existing customers purchasing additional software devices, buildings from Latch. And so our existing customers now have gone uh uh, increased from their zero churn to now have 154% expansion, which is really exciting. And it's just showing people are buying more and more uh, stuff. When Latch comes out with it, people buy it. We're, we're getting... Go ahead. Go, go ahead, ahead, Chris. No, no, no. That, yeah, that, I don't know if you want me to touch any more detail there. No, that, that was perfect. Like I said, we're getting some great questions from the chat. So, you know, before we wrap, I, I want to get to some of these questions, if you don't mind, Luke. Not at all. Um, so, you know, up first, we have solar up and up. And, you know, this is a, a good question. It might also be a, a difficult question. So does, okay. Lat, does Latch maintain a database of user behavior? And if so, what does it do with this data? Yeah, so uh, my background when I was at Apple, I actually worked uh, with privacy issues as, as one of the things that I worked with. And so privacy is really core to what we do. Um, and so for us, um, we always keep sort of the resident data in its own silo. And one of the things we got a lot of pressure on early on was building owners were, wanted to see 
all the data about what residents were doing. And we took a really firm stance that no, people should, you shouldn't know when somebody gets home to their apartment, like you have no reason to know that. And so we've kept a really firm privacy stance, which has honestly, it's lost to some customers, but we feel like doing the right thing and being on the side of privacy is the right thing to do. And then another question came from uh, Made in India in the chat, talking about possible hacking concerns. Mm. Um, so, you know, again, you know, not only talking privacy, but possible security, security. and hacking. Uh, yeah. What does Latch do to, you know, prevent an issue like this from happening, uh, you know, in the future? Yeah, so we we have an incredible security team. Um, we do regular third-party uh, penetration testing and use industry best practices. We're part of uh, you know a variety of different working groups, et cetera, on, on standards. Um, we've also open-sourced uh, some of our own uh, work in the security space, which you can see on our website. Um, but one of the things that we also have done, which is very unique, is that many of our products um, can be operated on an air-gapped basis without a real-time connection to the internet which takes the attack vector down to just being within local wireless range to attack the device, which means that you have to be physically present at the device to execute any digital attack for many of our products, which just is a very unique aspect of the way we've architected our system to be highly secure and highly resilient. Um, we're also SOC 2 type two compliant We've been through the security uh, audit processes at with the largest real estate companies in the world and largest tech companies in the world, and we feel you know very confident with our security and and it's an ever evolving, never done process uh, to make sure that you have the security that's required to operate in the market. Awesome! Uh, another great question here in the chat uh, from from uh, Crazy Clan asking, is Latch looking at innovating inside the hotel and tourism space? Uh, also mentioning, you know, Airbnb, you know, by name there. What's the plan here from Latch? Any, uh, you know, comments you can make uh, in that space? Yeah, I'm, so I can point to partnerships we've already announced. We uh, were one of, we're the exclusive like access provider to one of the first Airbnb partner um, uh, programs a couple, two or three years ago now. Um, where effectively they were taking apartment buildings and then taking individual apartments and then renting them out on Airbnb, but doing so at scale and through an official Airbnb program. And we were the solution that they chose to do that. Um, we work a lot with what I would sort of call new hospitality, which is, uh, you know, taking a multifamily building or, you know, another type of uh, rental asset and then using it for Airbnb or for short stay. A lot of our uh, customers are, are looking at that or are doing that today, and it's a big use case for our products. In terms of working with flagged hotel brands, um, that's not something that we have announced anything, any plans to do. Uh, but Alan Smith, who was the CEO of the Four Seasons Hotels, is actually on our board, has been for the last two years. So it's definitely a market that we you know, have connectivity into and, and watch closely. Uh, but we haven't announced anything about the sort of mainline hospitality industry. We focus more on that new hospitality category. All right, I'm going to jump back in here, guys. So I have a, a great question. Uh, so one of the things is we've been focusing more on the North American side, right? But there's yeah. over the pond, you know, if you go over the pond, there's a lot of apartments to address here. Yeah. Um, as stated in your presentation deck, um, I'll pull it up here. But, you know, there's 93 million apartments through that expansion in the European markets. How is this growth strategy looking? Are you guys uh, expanding? Anything you can add? you know, something you can break for us here on, on the international <laughs> side? 
Uh, unfortunately, uh, just given the moment we're in, I can't break anything crazy. But what I can tell you is that uh, you know a lot of our uh, a lot of many people on our team are actually uh, European. So my co-founder is Swedish. Um, I actually went to grad school in the UK, and so this has been a market that we've been excited about, and you know have personal and firsthand experience in. Um, and I think you know we're we're very optimistic that these problems that we're seeing with package delivery, with sharing access, with home sharing, with digital services, with other deliveries, you know, these are global problems now. And you know we believe that LatchOS is a global platform, and we'll be able to uh, you know solve these problems in that new context. Now it's not going to be the same. We're going to have to make uh, you know make sure that we evolve our products to meet the local and specific needs of, of each one of these customers so that it's relevant to them. But we feel like the core platform is, is, is relevant globally. Definitely. Okay. So one last question would be, and, and, and you know, some of you guys can take this as you want to take it. Um, so I'm seeing this as a, a potential reopening play, you know. Um, so one thing I, I talk about here is, you know, how you guys looking at the new verticals, you're bringing this into commercial office. You know, a, a lot of us are going to be working our way back into the offices. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this could definitely come into play. So l expand a little bit more about this opportunity. Yeah. So, I mean, the way that we work is going to be fundamentally changed. Um, and I think the desire to also be back in person with people is not going to change. I, so I think some, we know there's changes happening, but we know we also want to be back with people. And so what are the new working models um, that are going to exist? And we think that there's going to be increased flexibility um, with folks moving between multiple offices, multiple sites. Um, and so having a system of products that enable someone to feel at home at whatever space they're in is going to be super critical. We see that as a unique opportunity. We also see a unique opportunity around the guest check-in process. So I, I don't know if either of you, uh, you know, had to go to a Manhattan office at, at any point in time, but for visiting purposes, but those long lines that you see, which is really just for somebody to take your photo and look at your ID and then sort of say, oh yeah, here's here's this printed thing. We, we feel like there's a real opportunity to change how that works and that the customer desire for contactless and more efficient products is a uh, is something we see not just in multifamily, but in commercial as well. And, and it, we, again, see that as a global problem. Awesome. Awesome. We, we got to so many questions here. <laughs> Lots of questions from the chat too, Luke, um, you know, and there, there's probably more out there too, but uh, we don't want to take up any more of your time. You know, we, we appreciate you joining us. So again, guys, Luke Schoenfelder, he is the CEO of Latch. The company is going public via SPAC deal. The ticker is TSIA. Thank you again for joining us on the show, Luke. We look forward to following the progress, you know, and uh, uh, thanks again. Thanks so much for having me. Have a great day, guys. You of too. Course. Thank we'll you. We'll have you back on, Luke. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Hey, well, you guys heard it here. There's definitely some play in here. Um, you know, I think we got a lot of insight. You know, it was really great to touch all different aspects of here. Some of the future you know, one thing that I, it really just light bulb came off is that, you know, why not the European market? You know, there's, there's a huge amount of money there. I mean, 92 million apartments. Yeah, And, and one thing I know about Europeans is that they're, they're, they're easy to transition into that technology, that type of technology. I've been seeing, you know, because there's so much tourism that you get in Europe that 
you know, some of these technologies are needed, you know, it's, it's just so much. And I think we're, we're about to see, you know, once we get through kind of this vaccine period, we're going to see some traveling like you probably never seen before. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, great questions from our chat, Mitch. I, you know, as we were putting some of these questions into the document, I was like, wow, that that's a great question. I, I would love to ask that. So, you know, and uh, I, one of the takeaways and, you know, uh, Solar Up and Up said it in the chat too. He, he didn't shy away from, from those questions, including the one about, you know, uh, privacy and data, right? So that is the thing as, as a software company, they're, they're collecting some data and, you know, he, he's got a background from Apple, you know, he, he, he knows what he's doing. I like that he didn't shy away from the question. He didn't try to, you know, push it aside or anything. He gave the direct answer, you, hey. you know, you asking about the, the apartments with the packages and then him talking about putting on a UPS uniform, like, Holy cow, Mitch. I, I used to watch Undercover Boss back in the I day. I love that show. And, and <laughs> this, this dude did it, and he didn't even do it at his own company. He did it at a company that he wanted to partner with and solve a problem. That is that is just excellent work here from a CEO, of course, in my opinion, going Undercover Boss style here. I, I mean, wh what did you think of that, Mitch? Like, holy cow. I mean, you hit it right on the knob. You know, I used to watch that show for real. I'm not, yeah. I'm not even going to lie. I mean, I, I always wanted to meet the undercover boss. I was like, yo, when's, when's the CEO going to walk in my door, you know? But the problem is is a real problem. Like, I went through this problem, guys. I mean, I don't know if you guys went through this. The, the, the supposed Amazon little box things, they just got overfilled. And when yep. they get overfilled, where do the packages go? <laughs> that's what that's what I saw. You know what happened to the packages? Amazon's probably gonna get mad, but they were just leaving them. <laughs> yeah. They were just leaving them right there in the hallway. They just just leaving them right in the hallway. But it does, you guys. I'm transparent as can be, and, and one of the things is there is that problem out there. So it's gonna be interesting. Uh, I, I, I mean, you know, it's an expense. It's an expense. So you got to figure out, you know, which kind of commercial. Uh, commercial apartments can really pay for this. But I think at the end of the day, when, when you see like inside cities, downtowns, this is needed. And downtown, when you have so many people walking around, so much tra foot traffic, you need some way to uh, manage the traffic. Um, th th this is also, like we mentioned, commercial spaces. Um, I, I know that some people are going to be working from home, but there's still going to be some people going back to the office, especially with the vaccine. And, and if we get the kind of the, the mass mandates to come all off and, and people are just they're going to want to come back to re, uh, kind of some normality. So it's going to be yeah, interesting. And you know, sure. Mitch, so I know when I used to live in an apartment, one of the things is some apartments are owned by by companies that aren't even in the same state, right? You, you have a person working in the office to, you know, show apartments, um, you know, handle phone calls, but otherwise you're, you're outsourcing, you know, a lot of your business and a, a system like LatchOS here, you know, allowing, you know, maintenance to get in, uh, you know, um, other people, you know, packages and all that, it, it takes some of that that salary out, right? Where you don't have to have people working right on site. You you can, you know, hire a a, a maintenance person for, for several apartment complexes and then they can go show up, you know, at whichever one, 
using that security code to to get in. So I, I like that aspect. I, I loved hearing the international growth, right? And him having experience with the UK and also some some you know directors coming from hotel groups. That that's a huge advantage, right? As we talk about growth. The the question in the chat talking about, you know, Airbnb, them already partnering with some Airbnb providers, you know, and maybe down the road we see a direct deal with Airbnb. Um, you know, how big would that be, right? If Airbnb could just offer that on their platform to, to all their their customers, um, you know, going forward. So lots of exciting growth here. I, I really like this interview. I really like this company. You know, again, it's not as as big of a name as some of these EV companies and and like that, but it's it's a software as a service model. It's recurring revenue, right? We love recurring revenue going forward. Uh so you know, I, I'm a fan here, you know, long term with, with this company. Hey, guys, like always, guys, if you appreciate us giving those questions from the chat, you know, there's really no other show like this in the world, really, because at the end of the day, there's no one covering SPACs every single day asking questions that you guys are asking out there in the chat to the CEO that, you know, if you're watching CNBC, you wish you could ask a question, but guess what? You can't. And and the truth is, that's what we're here for, guys, is that we're here to get you guys information. So if you have a comment, if you have a topic that you guys want us touching, let us know in the comments. That's what we're really about here on SPACs Attack. So if you enjoyed that interview, definitely smash the like button. I know I had a hell of a good time doing that interview, and and I'm gonna look into this. I mean, it's pretty cool. I mean, you can you can call guests like directly, like right right to them if they're coming in, and and I think you know there's a lot of people that have kind of these services, but the question is, are they as efficient and are they with the times? You know, sometimes you got like key fobs and stuff, then you lose the key fob, then you still can't get in. You know what I mean? So uh, I know that nowadays people use their phone and they protect their phone like it's everything. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but look, I'll reach into my pocket. What do I have? My phone. Yep. It, it's just like everybody, you know, uh, majority of the times you have your phone on you. Even when you're inside your house, you have it in your pocket. So uh, ju just to give that insight, I, I think, you know, in the long run, this company has definitely some revenue to make out there. All right, guys, so let's go ahead and let's maybe touch up on some SPACs that are out there moving. We got a couple minutes left here. We haven't been able to do kind of ticker time in a while. So if you got a ticker you guys want us to take a look at, hit the like button. Let us know what you guys want to see. And, and Mitch, while while we're getting some chat, uh, you know, tickers here, I just want to circle back. So Polestar, that Swedish electric vehicle company, Weighing a SPAC merger, they're owned by Volvo. So I went ahead and I looked, and there are four SPACs out there that have connections to Volvo. So we have ticker AAC, which is a billion-dollar SPAC. And then we have the two Queen's Gambit SPACs. That's GMBT <laughs> and QWNB. Again, named after that Netflix show, Queen's Gambit SPACs. And then we have VTIQ, which is the same SPAC that, of course, took Niccolo public. They have the former CEO of Volvo um, attached to the board there. So that's four SPACs that all have, you know, attachments to former directors from Volvo. So maybe one of them lands that Polestar deal, obviously, with the size of AAC, $1 billion. 
they could end up being, you know, a front runner, you know, kind of rumor, rumored here. So wanted to get those tickers out to you guys. Um, but yeah, anyone has tickers, let's drop them in and uh, let, let's finish out the show with some ticker time here. All right. So do us all a favor, Chris, go ahead and put those in the chat there. If you can, well, yeah, I'll go sure. ahead and, and I'll start pulling up our first stock of the day. Of course, of course, of course, of course. Uh, we all, we, Chris and I already know what stock they want to talk about. Chris, where, where's that little smirk? I know, I know it. Is, is Romeo it, Power. Is it RMO? Romeo Power. You know it, bro. You know it. Chris and I were talking about this a little bit before, uh, kind of getting started on SPACs attack, guys. So uh, w- one thing that we mentioned is you guys have heard me. I I, I love this company. I, I personally uh, have said it before. I love this company, and I'm, I'm going to stick with that opinion. You know, I, I do love the company. Now, do we are we running into some issues? Yeah, we're running into some issues. But the trend can change, guys, and the trend can change easily. You know, one thing I will notice is that we do have potential infrastructure bill coming out tonight, right? What if we do get some great support for some of these companies? This this price could be right back up there, you know? And, and so one thing I would mention is if you did get in it and you kind of got stuck holding the bag, um, that's okay. it's okay. Sometimes if you're holding a bag in a good company, it's okay. Now, if you're holding a bag in in something that you're not seeing ever going to get back up there, then then that's when you got to realize like, what are you doing here? So one thing I noticed, and I talked about this with my friend, Carl, sometimes in the chat, shout out to Carl out there. Um, But, you know, when you, when you look at companies and you look at, let's say the Warren Buffett, strategy. So the Warren Buffett strategy always says, just look at the fundamentals and the guidance in the long term, right? And, and so if the price maybe doesn't match where it is now, maybe where did the fundamentals meet the price? Because long term, if the fundamentals get there, this price should get back up there. And, and if people are willing to pay up all the way to $38 on this stock, um, as long as the financials can get clear and get into the kind of a better standing, then we could get back up there to 38. And one of the things that can change those fundamentals drastically is something like a f- infrastructure bill. So that, that that's just some of the comments that I have to say. So anything you want to add, Chris? Yeah, you know, I, I think the key here is that, you know, Romeo in that investor presentation, those projections may have been, you know, the best case scenario, right? And maybe we need the company, um, you know, or Lionel to come back on our show and, and give us, you know, okay, let's take away Nicola. Let's take away Workhorse USPS. What's Romeo's financial projections look like, you know, without them? Be- because that's not their only deals, right? So it's not like this company is going to live and die directly by Nicola. But Nicola not putting out a semi, it hurts those projections that Romeo had, right? That was one of their key customers, but they also have other deals. So to me, that's the key going forward is, you know, what other companies are they working with? And, you know, can they maintain, you know, that that line without the distractions now? Yeah, you know, one thing, uh, you know, be, being mentioned by Thomas here about, uh, you know, not being able to anticipate supply chain issues, but the truth is, the truth is, there's so many of these companies that are not going to be able to predict the supply chain issues. This is massive, guys. This is global. Whether it be materials, whether it be chips, whether it be the the food shortages, and that's why we're getting inflation. Supply chains got destroyed. You got to understand that. 
And, and, and with that being said, you know, as much as we might look into these companies and their future revenue and, and what we expect them to see, but at the end of the day, you know, this, this is a long-term company. This isn't something that we expected to just get off the ground today, just shoot through the moon. Now these stocks were going up and up and up, and now we're running into the phase where, you know, evaluations actually are starting to come into play. You know, you guys heard from Dennis Dick on pre-market prep fundamentals might be coming back. And if fundamentals matter, these companies need a couple of years to really get to the revenues so that we can see the price match that revenue. So that's one thing I definitely mentioned is that, you know, if you were in it for just the, the, the quick hundred percent winner, then see you later in this market. I'll see you later. You're going to have to come back in a couple of years because I think at least that market's over with. Now we're in a different market, different market environment. And with that being said, you have to be smart in different market environments. And one of the biggest things that I've learned in five years of trading is you need to be able to adapt. If you can't adapt as a trader, guess what? You get swallowed up real quick, real quick. Those Robin Hood traders, this, let, let's just say there's a lot of stimuluses that went down to zero already. And, and a big, big part of that is not understanding how to adapt. When you don't adapt, you pay the price. That's what I'll say. Yeah, you know, definitely. Uh, I, I saw a question there in the chat, Internet Enforcers talking about IPOD, IPOF. So I, I, I do own both of these still. Um these are the Chamath Polyoptia SPACs, right? And I think, you know, taking a step back, given the, the the market we're in with SPACs, I just don't see Chamath announcing a deal yet um, because, I, you know, he's used to being in these these great markets where the SPACs run up on that definitive agreement. So, so I don't know what we're going to see. And also Chamath, you know, lately has been very involved in getting these, these pipes done. Uh, on some of these projects and also launching some of his own, you know, investment um, ideas for, you know, clean energy and sustainability. So will we see a deal soon? I, I don't expect one soon, but, you know, if we can get some positive reaction to some of these SPACs like we had with WeWork, um, you know, maybe maybe he could be the one to to launch a big deal here, him or Bill Ackman to, to bring some excitement back. But ultimately, you know, Chamath has also... He's lost some favor in the SPAC market, right? I mean, he sold his shares of Virgin Galactic. Um, you know, Clever Leaves has turned out to not, or not Clever Leaves, I'm sorry, Clover Health has turned out to not be, you know, as good of an investment for those that held it through that merger. So uh, I am a little worried with these Chamath SPACs going forward. But again, I do own IPOD and IPOF. You know, he does have experience and, and he's also, you know, a, a, a friend of CNBC. So I fully expect when a deal is announced, he's going to be on there. So we're going to get that information, you know, right out there in, in front of millions of people. So that's what I would say about that Internet Enforcers for IPOD and IPOF. All right. All right. Before we get to the power hour, I already see hot stocks, Luke's double fisting, getting ready. But before we get to that, guys, I wanted to give you a, a stock trade idea here. I'm watching the Fisker guys. Fisker is one that's definitely on my radar because I could see the stimulus bill, uh, the, the infrastructure bill really supporting this company um, and really starting to get EV moving. So it's going to be really interesting to 
today to see how that reacts after market. Keep your eyes on it. It's going to be a move. I think it's going to be really interesting. This one came right back down towards the support of 16, bouncing right off of it. Let's see if it gets back up there. You know, it got a lot of love when it was going up there to 30s. So, and this is one to definitely keep on your radar. Fisker, if you're getting frisky with Fisker, let me know in the chat. 